0: Welcome back to the Christ Community Church podcast, where we are spending time today diving into the sermon from Sunday, February 4th, The Power of Preaching, which is part of our Jonah series. I'm Ryan Balby, our interim teaching pastor, joined by...
1: I'm Jana Michelson, and I'm the Connections pastor.
0: Jana, it is good to see you today. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm a little nervous because last week you threw me right away and asked me a trick question. So I'm a little, little wondering today what you're going to say.
0: Great. And on that note, let's start with this. I want a deep theological opinion on, I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing creative to come up with.
1: God is good.
0: On Toy Story. How do you feel about Toy Story?
1: Well, I did think that I love Toy Story, but I've never seen the one with Forky in it.
0: You never saw the fourth one. Yeah, no, I, d- and, I don't know why I'm surprised by that.
1: Well, I have grandkids, so I need to invite them over and see if they'll show me the fourth one. Um, but, yeah, that did throw me a little or make me feel a little older because I do think I know Toy Story. But
0: Yeah, if you want to feel old, just realize that, that it's 2024, so Toy Story 1 came out 30 years ago. I remember. That's crazy. That, that's my childhood, so... There you go. Anyways. All right. So on to the Bible though.
1: Okay. And Jonah, so you, you kind of refreshed us from the week before and Jonah went from being spit up by the whale last weekend and now God's giving him his second chance. Sometimes God gives us second chances. Um, and how do you think Jonah did with a second chance?
0: Well, it seems that he did well. I mean, it, you know, it starts very similar to the way chapter one started. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you, which in Jonah chapter one, if I can pull my Bible up fast enough, it says, uh, get out of there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah. son. Why is this on here? Sorry. (laughs) Came to Jonah, son of Amity, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because it's wickedness has come up before me. So the language is very similar. And in the first one, verse three, in chapter one, verse three, it says Jonah ran away. And in verse three of chapter three, it says Jonah obeyed. So it seems that he's getting it right at this point. And if you don't have the end of the story yet, if you don't know the end of the story, then you would assume that finally Jonah is obedient, that he's doing what God has called him to do, that his heart's in the right place and everything is going well. And so we can pause there and say that Jonah is at least getting this part right. We're going to see next week that his heart still has work to do. And that should be a positive sign for us because there is a ton of grace from God for all of us. Even when our hearts aren't right, God wants us to come and be obedient to Him and submit ourselves to Him. And this is what Jonah's doing. His heart at least is right towards God. He's saying, I'm willing to obey you, even though his heart is not right towards others yet.
1: Well, and I think sometimes we can recognize that, especially those of us that have been believers a while. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to start becoming, um, we've used the word around here, the coconut and the peach. So really much about how people are on the outside and that our behaviors match up. And you talked about that God's, God's judgment is coming for the Ninevites. God's judgment is coming to us. Um, but he's calling for us to repent. And some of us think we did that a long time ago. And now we are the the judges and I kind of wonder if that's not where uh, even the people of Israel at that time um, felt that they weren't to be a light to the world they were to be the judges of the world. Um, And so Jonah finally gets to Nineveh and he starts talking and he seems to be telling them the right message to call upon God and to repent. Um, So you talked a little bit about the difference of repent or a little bit more about repenting. And I thought that was interesting because sometimes we think believing in God and, oh, I'm so sorry for my sins. But that word repenting um, was important in the message. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Jonah's, well, it's funny because Jonah's messaging, if I'll back up for a moment, Jonah's messaging is literally, I mean, all it says is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's all, that's all we get in the scripture about what he said. And so I don't know if there's more that he said that wasn't written or really if this is all God told him to say, or if this is, if God had told him to say more and this is all he wanted to say, I don't know. But whatever was happening, God's doing a work in the hearts of the Ninevites. It didn't really
1: matter what Jonah said.
0: Not necessarily. He needed to be faithful and at least proclaim something. So I'll, I'll operate from the assumption that what he's saying is exactly what God told him to say. And God was doing a work in the heart just by this sort of fear factor message of, hey, 40 more days, and it's going to get a little bit crazy here. Um, and, and so there is a repentance that takes place really in verse eight. You start to see that the king of Nineveh declares this. Well, they, first, they it says, everyone from the least to the greatest puts on sackcloth. And so there's this humbling of themselves. Mm-hmm. So you see that they genuinely have remorse, and they genuinely understand that we messed up and we need to do something to get back on God's good side or to see God forgive us in a way that we don't deserve. And then the King of Nineveh says, he said, let everyone call urgently on God, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And so repentance is more than just a casual saying, sorry, saying sorry is, is, it's not always easy to do, but it's pretty easy to do because you can do it really unapologetically. And
1: If you've had kids, kids do it really well when you tell them to apologize to their sibling and sorry.
0: Yes. And it's often sorry that I got caught is really what it is. And, And so this is not that moment. This is a clear recognition of we messed up and we need to turn from something. And that's really what repentance is all about, is that it's a it's that deep remorse that allows us to turn from our sin and to turn from our own ways to turn from, you know, to use the language I was using in the message, to turn from the trash of the world that we're pursuing and to start pursuing something else or someone else in our case to pursue God. And so that's repentance. It's, it's that genuine sorrow that actually forces you to make changes in your life.
1: Well, and that doesn't just happen once in our life. Um, Salvation is a one-time gift, but um, we do continue to sin. And so that need for repentance is ongoing. But I think that's kind of the neat part is that God was doing the work too. So it's God that does the work in people, not that we have to hit them over the head.
0: Yeah. And and I think that Jonah is a good example of what you just said, that there's this constant turning in repentance. And so maybe Jonah's sin was different, but Jonah had sin in his life that really he repented of in chapter two. Mm -hmm. And we see Jonah turn, and that's why he's actually going and doing what God has called him to do, which is to share the message of, of God. And so he's proclaiming the message because He's turned from his ways. He's turned from his sin, his pride, his desire for comfort, his hatred, his anger, whatever that may be. And he's turning towards God's plan. And so for us as Christians, we have to constantly look at our life and hold up the gospel and hold up the word of God and see where our blind spots are, where our weak spots are, where our sinful spots are, and turn from those things. And God continues to give us opportunities to turn from the things of this world and turn towards him. But he wants us fully committed to him. And so that's where like our our mission statement, our vision statement as Christ community says, we exist to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ, because we don't just want, it's not just about getting people saved. That's important. We we want people saved, obviously, but God's heart for people is so much more than just don't die. His heart is experienced life. And life can only come through really fully committing to Him. And so we want to help people get to that spot, and we want to get to that spot. And so there's going to be a lot of times for repentance and confession of sin and just acknowledging that, hey, we're not there yet, and we're going to continue to be sanctified, which is, you know, that big church word to say that we're going to continue to become more like Christ over time, through the Word of God, through the community coming together. Um, And so these things are important for Christians, that we have to continue to check our own hearts. As we preach the gospel message, we tend to y- use the peach and the coconut. We tend to focus on the outsiders and their behavior, but really behavior is an issue for the insiders. Mm-hmm. And so we can still preach the message of behavior because God's ways are better no matter if you, if you believe in him or not, his ways are always better. So we always want to preach his ways because that's what's best for humanity and the world and everything else. But There's a way of pointing people to belief and then a way of taking the believers and saying, hey, how's your behavior? Is it glorifying God? Is it an example of God? Because you're a witness to him. And so if we're going to change the world, we need to live as followers of Christ. And that might be a lot of, you know, it's going to be a lot of repentance, a lot of turning, a lot of worship, a lot of pursuing him, but turning from our ways, turning from the things of this world and running towards God.
1: One of the things you said, too, that goes with that is um, you asked us who's first place in our life. And I thought that would be a good question um, as I struggle with evangelistic conversations with people. That's kind of a non-threatening question in a way. It gets some dialogue. But it made me think of my own self and who I verbally say is first place, but who my time, talent, treasure where all that is going and who I'm putting in first place.
0: Yeah. Again, it's another important heart check. And actually I was going to share this, but I didn't have time to get to it. But one of my, well, there's a passage in scripture that talks about the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler comes before Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Which is the wrong question because it's not about what we do. It's about what's been done but Jesus says, follow the commandments. And and he says, which ones, you know, so he's trying Mm -hmm. to narrow it down, which is already is like, no, you have to be perfect in order to receive eternal life. And, and he says, which ones? And so Jesus kind of lists some of the last six of the 10 commandments, which are all about how we love one another. And man says, oh yeah, I've done all that. What do I still lack? And Jesus says, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor and come and follow me. And he did this because really the most important commandment, is what Jesus says is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so he was maybe getting these, these horizontal commandments correctly. We, we don't know for sure if that's what he was doing, but no one argued with him. So we'll just assume he was, but he didn't have the vertical commandments right. And so he didn't have that, that commitment to God. God was not first place in his life. He maybe thought he was, but when it came down to my money, my comfort, my possessions versus following Jesus... He chose his money. And I think it's an important heart check for us. If we're going to preach the gospel again, is our heart in the right place? And, and, and some of us, we don't, we don't share the gospel because our hearts aren't in the right place. I, there are times where I maybe back down from having a conversation because I'm more worried about my own personal feelings and how people are going to look at me versus thinking, hey, God wants me to share my faith with this person, and I should be unashamed of the gospel message. And I should proclaim it, but I'm thinking about how they're going to respond. I'm thinking about, am I going to look stupid? I'm thinking about, you know, all these different things. And so if we're not putting God first, the evangelism piece is going to be a lot harder because first of all, people are going to recognize that and they're going to notice the hypocrisy in our life. But second, we may just not even want to because we won't do what God's called us to do because he's not first in our life. So we can justify all these other things that get in the way. And so it is important for us to keep checking our own hearts. And I think we're being honest, there are probably moments where we get this right. And hopefully, as committed followers, we get this right more often than not. But there are certainly moments where we get this wrong, too. Yeah. And, and it doesn't even have to be bad things. Right? I, I can have—my my wife can be an idol at times, and I can try and make her my God. I can make my kids my God, um, you know, I mean, and then there's things like sports. All right, that can become a god. That can become an idol. Money, pride. You know, all these different things. So we just have to check our own hearts and make yeah. sure that we're pursuing God. Because if we're going to proclaim the gospel message, we need to believe it and be living it, and and then that will strengthen us and empower us to go and share it.
1: Which in our workbook this week, you wrote something great about um, Saint Francis. Is it uh, how do you say his name? Assisi. Yes. And then he um, says, preach the gospel at all times, but use words if necessary.
0: Oh, great. The thing is, okay, that's funny that I put that quote in there because it I, it's not even guaranteed that that's really from him. It's a great quote, but I've heard that it was not sure that's from him. Oh, so it's I, a great quote. I don't know what I was thinking when I put that in there, but there you go.
1: Well, I thought it was a great quote because it does go back because I can use my words thinking all the time and what I'm saying, but when I'm living, if my neighbors are hearing me yell or, you know, all kinds of things. Um, If I'm not, if I'm not living gospel life, it's harder to share gospel life. Yeah. Um, And I loved it though, because you, you went on in this talk about the power of preaching about how we have to use words, like we're to be living the gospel, but it says you used the Romans verse. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. And that confession is a verbal confession. So um, we have to use our words to invite people in. And one of the things that I know I heard a lot on Sunday was people really were hit with the idea of uh, you broke it down a little to them a little simpler in that think of one person. Mm-hmm. Who is your one person? Can you expand on that a little more?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to, to your other point about the quote there, it it is important to live it out because if I go and say, hey, I'm a Christian and I've not been acting like a Christian, my words are going to mean nothing. So we need to use words, but we absolutely need to get our hearts and our actions and the way we treat people right first, because there's just too many examples where people come and say, I'm a Christian. Everyone's like, oh no, like you can't, like, please don't. Like we, we don't want to claim you. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that sounds harsh, but it's like, it's like they're not living the way a Christ follower lives. And so we want to live that way because otherwise people are just going to look and be like, oh yeah, typical Christian. That's who they are. And, and I don't want to pursue the Jesus that they supposedly believe in.
1: And for me, I know like being around people and being in a group of people. So if people have made it, Good job to those of you that are doing week five in your groups, um, because sometimes I think it takes living in community to realize that what how you're living and what you're saying might not be matching up. So it is that Holy Spirit, but it is helpful to have other people around. Yeah. So um,
0: absolutely, but yeah, on the one I, you know, for so I shared in the message about how preaching the gospel can have an eternal impact, and we see that with Jonah. He goes and he preaches to Nineveh. Nineveh repents. Nineveh is saved. So maybe not an eternal impact there, but certainly a life-giving impact. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, there's this moment where the apostles go out filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time, and they start preaching on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people are added to the number that day. And I always just look at that number, and I just think, that would be incredible. I mean, if I could just preach a sermon and 3,000 people came to Christ and were baptized that day, like, that would be you know, maybe Billy Graham did that, but like, you know, I've I've, I've never seen something quite like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, that'd be a really cool moment. And, and it's easy to talk about that and say, yeah, let's go preach the gospel because maybe three thousand will come. But we can become discouraged with three thousand because three thousand. I mean, God can do that, and and we should pray that He will. But I don't think God's always calling us to go to three thousand. But I do think that God is always calling us to go to at least one. Mm. And so for me, it was just, let's simplify it. All of us probably have someone in our area of influence, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. I mean, someone we see at the grocery store. I mean, there's someone you can find who doesn't know Christ. There is someone you can find that has no spiritual home, that has no relationship with Jesus. There's probably someone you can find who really has heard very, very little of the gospel message. And so if we can start with one, it can make a massive impact. And so I just started doing the numbers and just kind of doing the multiplication effect of, you know, we typically have about 550 people on average for our weekly attendance. And so if just the 550 people who normally come into the building, that's not even who come online, because that increases a little bit more, but it we'll was just easier to start with those who are in the building. If each and every one of us starts with one, then, you know, by 2025, we would have 1100 people. And so it's an evangelism and a discipleship. Can we share the gospel, equip them so that they could share at least the basics of faith with someone else? So next year, we take 1,100 and we go out and we do the same thing. So that goes 2,200 and all that. So by 2031, we would basically have, so Carmichael's population is 75,000 people. That's not just the spiritual nuns. that's, That's the entire population of Carmichael. And so by 2031, we'd be right about the number of the population of all of Carmichael, which may seem far away, but that's seven years from now. I mean, if you're saying in seven years, if we just take one person a year and we can have all of Carmichael covered, that's a massive impact. It
1: would be miraculous.
0: And then by 2036, just five years later, we would have about 2.2 million people covered, which is way more than the 1.6 million people in Sacramento County. And so it's like 12 years from now, we could have the entire population of Sacramento County and then some covered. I mean, not everyone's going to say yes, I understand that. But with that kind of missional mindset, if we all say just one, evangelize to one person, share the gospel with one person, help disciple them so that next year we both go out, the impact is so significant. And we don't have to look at those staggering numbers that can happen in 12 years. We just start with one this year and commit to one each and every year. And I think for most people, it's like, I can do two or three at least, you know, probably, but like, just start with one, because you, even if that's it, and that's the only person you just made an impact on one life, on one eternity. And you think of Luke 15 of Jesus saying, hey, the the, good, the shepherd's going to go after the one. Let's go after the one. I, I mean, what a difference it can make.
1: Well, and mm-hmm. I think too, the excitement that it adds. Um, it's been a while since I prayed with someone to receive Jesus as their savior. Um, but in my memory, mm-hmm. the the privilege, the honor of being with someone as they ask Jesus in their heart. Um, I'd like to do that again. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd like other people to know um, about being used by God that way and just that it is God that saves people. It's not because we have all the right words. Um, Jonah didn't have a whole lot of words there um, and so you, one of the questions that people can discuss is from 2 Timothy 3.16, and it says, how can this um, help to simplify our approach to sharing the gospel? Whose words are we really trying to share? And it made me think, okay, well, it's, I can start with inviting somebody to church, because to me, it feels like Ryan knows the right words to share up there. So that's a start. But I shouldn't stop with just an invitation to church. I should be sharing more. Would you do? Do you have a Second Timothy three sixteen?
0: Yeah. So Second Timothy three sixteen is all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I'll read verse seventeen as well. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so this acknowledges that scripture can transform our hearts as believers. But it's also the reality that scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, in righteousness. Sometimes we complicate, like you said, we ever complicate things. We think, oh, we have to have all these words and, and who knows what I'm going to say. Jonah's message was really, really simple. And again, probably not what we want to go and proclaim. That's, that's the, you know, hellfire brimstone kind of message. And I guess it has its place, but it tends to push more people away than draw people in. But if we just point people to the word of God, and sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's just in scripture. You don't, you don't have to come up with those words. Like God has already given you those words.
1: Well, here's a simple thing. It made me think of of, okay, on Sunday is the Super Bowl. Yes, the odds are we will see hopefully a good game although I, I really could care less, sorry, but we'll see football. The odds are we'll see Taylor Swift, and the odds are we will see John 316 because it seems like every Super Bowl, Super Bowl, somebody has it written on their face or they have the big sign. Those words have an impact. We could ask somebody, you know, I think most of the time we see that, we roll our eyes, but... Um, John 3.16 is what you just quoted about how much God loves us, and it is a good conversation starter.
0: Yeah, and there's so many places in Scripture that we could turn to and just share the love of Jesus. I mean, think of, like, Ephesians 1 and 2. I mean, Ephesians talking about being chosen, being desired by God, being children of God. I mean, that's, you know, a powerful statement. Like, there's just... There's places all around that you can just look for some verses that that provide hope that talk about God's love, that talk about His truth, talk about His invitation. I mean, Luke 15 that says, "Hey, Jesus is coming after you," like not in a like scary way, like like run away,
1: not like you have 40 days. But, until... Yeah, yeah. But His
0: love is pursuing yeah. you. Like he he is he is trying to draw you into relationship. And again, this is, this is where I like the connection of the Toy Story 4, where Woody is telling this this little spork that stop jumping in the trash can because there's a person who loves you and like experience her embrace and her love. And, you know, you get to be played with and you get to like have the joy of being with this, this person who created you and who loves you versus just getting thrown away. And so many of us, like we look at the things of this world and we're like, oh, that's so great. And it's like, it's not, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, it seems like you can have everything, but typically the people who get everything are still the ones who are like. I don't know. I'm still longing. I mean, there's a reason why the richest people in the world are still trying to inherit more wealth because they're never satisfied. And and so the things of this world just aren't going to satisfy. But in scripture, it tells us that there is a way, there is one who we can receive that will satisfy completely. And that offers us life, life to the full and eternal life where all tears will be wiped away, where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, but you have to put your trust in Jesus. And so it's like, this is what we get to offer to people. This is what we get to share with people. And again, it doesn't have to be our words. It's just the words of scripture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jonah's been a good reminder for, um, how to look at my heart and how to think about what's number one, because if he is number one, the odds are, I'd want to share that. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that you want to share with people before we finish chapter three?
0: No, I think just the reminder again, that there is, as it says in the title, there is power in preaching and preaching as we talked about on Sunday is not preaching a sermon from the pulpit up on stage on Sunday. That, that's going to stress a lot of people out, but preaching means that yes, we do need to take time to use words. And so live your life in such a way that your life demonstrates the gospel but then when you have those opportunities, use your words and invite people into relationship. And if you don't feel like you have the right words to say, pick a couple of verses that speak to the love of God, memorize those so that you can just share the Bible and point people to the Bible. And then when people have questions, you're like, I, I may not know that it's in scripture. Like if they're like, oh, but, but it said, well, okay, well, I, it's in the Bible. I don't know. Like these are the words of Jesus. And I'm just want to point you to that. If you have other questions find someone who can help answer them. Come come to church and, or invite them to church and say, hey, let's go talk to someone who may have the answers to this. That's why we need community because there might be someone in our community who has a lot more answers than, than we do. And so um, I, I think just understanding and recognizing again, start with one, who is that one person in your life that really, that you wanna see reach for Jesus this year and be intentional and pray for opportunity, pray for favor Um, pray for that person's heart that it would be open to receive the gospel message. And don't be discouraged. If you share the gospel and someone says no, that's okay. Like keep praying for them, keep scattering seed, keep throwing the net out. These are, you know, uh, images that Jesus uses, but just keep sharing because you might have an eternal impact on one life. And maybe that one life would lead to millions more or thousands more or hundreds more or 10 more or another one doesn't matter, but just be the people who share the gospel as often and just as often as possible.
1: I love that. I love thinking about our church that way and that our church have that reputation of being a light to the city of Carmichael because we want to share about Jesus. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So don't forget to join us on Sunday where we will be wrapping up the Jonah series this Sunday morning. 9 a.m., 1045 a.m. Contemporary Services and 10 a.m. Traditional Service. We will see you there.